Shalom from here in the Holy Land. Welcome to Conversations with Yael Podcast. I'm your host, Yael Eckstein, President and CEO of the International Fellowship of Christians and Jews. Each month, I will invite leading thought leaders, pastors, rabbis, and other influential guests to discuss the importance of Israel in the world today. For those familiar with my weekly podcast, Nourish Your Biblical Roots, which explores the Jewish roots of the Christian faith, this podcast takes that understanding and translates it into ongoing support for Israel among Christians and the critical need to nurture that support with the next generation of Christians. Join me now as we begin this important dialogue. Today, I have the privilege of welcoming to the podcast a longtime friend of Israel, the fellowship, and of mine, Governor Mike Huckabee. Governor Huckabee was one of the first Christian leaders to reach out to me after my father, fellowship founder Rabbi Chiel Eckstein of Blessed Memory, passed away in 2019. He's been a strong supporter of the fellowship, calling the fellowship Israel's most impactful relief organization. I've had the honor and privilege of appearing on Governor Huckby's show and the even greater honor of hosting him in Israel, where together we visited many of the fellowship projects supported by Christians around the world. Governor Huckabee is a New York Times bestselling author and ordained Southern Baptist minister, as well as a leader on the political stage. He served as the 44th governor of Arkansas from 1996 to 2007, and as a 2008 presidential candidate, Governor Huckabee was host of the number one rated weekend television show Huckabee on Fox News from 2008 to 2015, and he now hosts his weekly show Huckabee, which airs exclusively on TBN. And perhaps a little known Known fact, Governor Huckabee is also an accomplished musician, a bass player, yeah? I actually keep guitar and music equipment in Israel. We come and bring the groups. We used to try to bring stuff back and forth. We realized that the cost of transportation and the wear and tear was worse. So we bought equipment and we keep it in Israel. I've got uh, an acoustic, a Fender acoustic guitar, a Gretsch, uh, a Fender bass. Um, set of drums, keyboard, the whole rig. I'm going to buy tickets to your concert. <laughs> you know, what's, I'll tell you this, uh, Ambassador Friedman, who is a dear friend, had not played guitar in public since he was a teen. And I got him to come to our group and join our band that we bring over. And we played rock and roll tunes. That is amazing. At the David Citadel Hotel. And we almost, his staff couldn't get him to get off the stage. They were trying to get him to go. He was having so much fun. So Governor Huckabee, my role model, my friend, my mentor, welcome to the podcast. It is such an honor to be with you today. Well, yeah, thank you so much. You have no idea how privileged I am, not just to be on the podcast, but uh, to consider you a dear friend. I'm so grateful that I've been able to do something that most of the people who give to the fellowship are never able to do. I can have the privilege of seeing firsthand what their contributions accomplish. Mm -hmm. And when you hosted me in Israel and we went around the country, went to a number of sites to see food kitchens where food was being served and hot meals, where distribution was being done, we went into the homes of people who could not even leave their beds because yes. they were in an upstairs 
apartment, had been there for seven years. And if not for the fellowship, it's not just that they wouldn't have adequate food, but they wouldn't have someone to come in and love them and smile at them and hug them. I just don't think people can fully appreciate the extraordinary things that their contributions are doing for the fellowship. So as someone who has had the privilege of walking uh, the land of the Bible with you, I can tell people I've seen the work of God's word in person through the International Fellowship of Christians and Jews. And it's just a joy to be with you today. Thank you so much, Governor. I know you as such a proud American who has dedicated your life and accomplished so much in making America stronger and better, implementing those values that you hold dear and that I've seen you live day in, day out. And it's not a given that somebody who's so influential in loving and standing for America would be such a passionate advocate for Israel. So I'd love to hear how that love and connection to Israel began? For me, it began in 1973. I was uh, just shy of my 18th birthday. I'd finished high school and was uh, going to be headed to college that fall. And a friend of mine who, uh, quite frankly, was very wealthy, had also graduated. He wanted to take a senior trip to go somewhere. And he wanted to go to the Middle East, just Uh take an international trip. Well, I was very poor. I I grew up literally just barely making it. So we were the prince and the pauper, if you will. He told his dad he wanted to take this trip. His dad said, well, son, I'm not going to let you go halfway around the world by yourself. But if Mike Huckabee will go with you, I'll pay his way. Because for reasons that probably weren't well-founded, he trusted me more than he trusted his own son to behave (laughs) if he went to. So here's what we did. Yale, we went to... Greece to Turkey. We went to Syria. We went to Lebanon. We went to Jordan. We went all over the Middle East, places I couldn't go now, places I wouldn't go now. Yes. But one of the places that was a part of our itinerary was Israel. And so my first time to be in this land was in the context of so many countries, many of which are mentioned in the Bible. But there was something about Israel. And and keep in mind, this is 1973. This is two months before, or I guess, yeah, just about two months before the Yom Kippur War. Wow. Not that we knew that, of course. But um, Israel was a struggling country. It it was fairly young, and it had just gone through uh, so many wars and fighting for its independence. Its economy was struggling, selling a few Jaffa oranges and trying to get some tourists to come. Um, A lot of people were still living on the... uh, uh, kibbutzim, because that's the only way they could survive. And, mm-hmm. you know, you look back and they had a bunch of old Russian cars driving on dusty roads. I, I'm just trying to set the tone that Israel was a very different country. And yet, when I was there, it was like I was in a place that I felt at home, even though I'd never been there before. Wow. There was something amazing about the country. Part of it was that I saw the pioneer spirit among the Israeli people. Yes. And part of it, quite frankly, was spiritual for me because here I was in the land of the Bible for reasons that one day God will reveal, but a land that he had chosen. And I think of all the real estate on planet earth, 
he picks this little spot of land about the size of New Jersey and says, this is mine right here. And I'm going to put my people here. I'm going to put the Jewish people right here. And this is going to be theirs. And it will be theirs for all time. And there's something about Israel that is just inexplicable. I've said so many times, Yael, that the only explanation for the nation of Israel and its incredible success, the extraordinary achievements, is that God has his hand on this country. And if I wasn't even a believer, I would still come to the conclusion that the only explanation for Israel is God. And let me give a couple of examples. I, I mentioned that when I was first in Israel, 1973, um, that it was a sleepy little country in many ways, but it had extraordinary grit and the commitment of the Israelis to have a homeland and to protect it reminded me of what I had read of the early days of the frontier America, wow. where people came for religious freedom. Yeah. They came for safety. They came to, to, make sure that their families could grow up in a land where they could practice their faith without intimidation, uh, without prohibition. Mm -hmm. And when you saw that America was a place where people came really from all over the world, um, they came for freedom, they came uh, to be able to prosper. And you look at Israel and you realize that God has regathered his children uh, the children of Abraham, and he's brought them from all over the world. And they've come because they want freedom. They want to be able to live faith without uh, the government telling them they can't. Uh, there is so many, there are so many parallels between the origins of the United States and modern day Israel that it's hard for me as an American not to recognize it. And then what I wish more Americans understood is that in an incredibly short period of time, Israel has gone from a land of, of basically dusty roads and struggling economy to one of the most technologically advanced yeah. and prosperous nations on earth. And yeah, every time I bring, because I bring over the years, thousands of people to Israel, several hundred a year. I know you're also a tour guide, and yeah. now I see a pastor. <laughs> Next time I introduce you, I'm yeah. going to add those two things. <laughs> well, but every time I come and bring people, they always say, now, first of all, the big question, is it safe? Right. And I always tell them, I'm not sending you, I'm going with you. Hmm. And I would never put my grandchildren's favorite grandfather in a dangerous situation knowingly. So yes, it's safe. I and I said, after two days or three days, you will come up to me and say, wow, I feel safer here than I do in most of the major American cities. The second thing they ask is, do I need to take a jar of peanut butter? Will I find anything to eat? And I said, oh my gosh, if you bring peanut butter, I will literally hurt you because <laughs> the food in Israel is the freshest, most delicious, yeah. the greatest variety of fruits and vegetables. And what I remember, and I'm giving you a very long answer to all this, but I, oh, I, really I, love want, it. I want your, your uh, followers to understand this. I can remember going into places of Israel, most of it, and it was desert. There was nothing there. It was just sand and dirt, more, more dust and rock. The same places that I saw in 1973 that were barren are now lush with wow. vegetation. And 
See, for me, I'm looking at that and I'm saying, boy, Ezekiel saw yes. that the, <laughs> you know, the desert shall bloom and the dry bones shall live again. Amen. With my own eyes in my lifetime, I've seen the desert bloom. Yes. I've seen the dry bones come to life. The only explanation is God's hand is upon this country. And I also want to say, I think God's hand is on the fellowship and the work that it does because you're helping the people who cannot reciprocate. You're helping the people um, who are the, uh, the least among. And as a result, there's no doubt, but that God's hand is on the fellowship as much as it is on Israel. And I, I just marvel at what, what you do and you take whatever is given, you multiply it beyond anyone's imagination and the efficiency with which the fellowship provides food and help uh, to so many Israelis, many of whom have escaped the tyrannies of countries around the world to come to a place where they knew they could be safe. They knew that they would be able to not uh, be challenged by their own government and intimidated, bullied, and perhaps even imprisoned for their faith. This, this is, uh, it's a modern day miracle. Wow. Everything that you're saying, Governor, is just so inspiring from the first time you came to Israel, which is simply a God story mm. that I hear that story. And I said, yeah. <laughs> God knows what he was doing. God knew who he was building up, a real messenger and servant who would have the eyes to see, because how often the people see truth and God's hand in front of their eyes, but they just can't see it that when I hear your story of how you got to Israel, how you traveled around, how when you got to Israel, how you felt God's hand here, how you felt at home, and and that you open your eyes to the details from the fruits and vegetables being grown that I'm sure you know tiny Israel, the size of yeah. New Jersey, like you pointed <laughs> out. We grow 95% of our fruits and vegetables. So I go to America and I hear all these concepts of like farm to table and grow local. I'm uh, like, wow, this is really advanced for Israel because local when I'm in America, I'll be in Chicago. I can't imagine growing all the fruits and vegetables in the freezing Chicago weather that it's simply of God. Like you said, of the prophets making the desert bloom of the laughter and joy on the streets of Jerusalem. And, and that's what, as someone who's lived in Israel for 16 years and thank God has four kids who were all born here. I always tell them never forget just the sake that you wake up in Israel is a miracle that's no less than the splitting of the sea or any of the other biblical miracles that we read about. The fact that you could say, I was born in Jerusalem after 2000 years of exile with a grandfather who was born in Germany, a great grandfather who was born in Germany, whose family was all killed by the Nazis for being Jewish. And now you're born in Jerusalem. It's, it's no small miracle. And hearing your story and how you are so acute aware of these miracles and have taken tangible action in your life to say, yes, God is using me and I am going to be, as we say in Hebrew, I am your servant, Lord. And I see that in your life, which is so inspiring. And um, 
I, I could listen to you for hours when you talk about how when you come to Israel and you felt at home, it it brings me back to almost every day the fellowship has Aliyah flights from uh, bringing Jewish people home to Israel from places like France and places in the Arab world that I can't even speak about, places like Ukraine and Ethiopia, the lost tribe of Dan bringing them home. And that's the same sentiment of every Jewish person. And like you said, every Christian who I've spoken to, that there's something about this tiny land that you step foot here and you suddenly feel at home. It, it is a magnificent place. And I wish that every, uh, I would say fellow Christian believer would go to the land of Israel at least once. It's one of the reasons that I bring people to the country every year, because I feel like that if you've read the Bible your whole life, you've read it in black and white. Mm. But once you've been to Israel, for the rest of your life, you read the Bible in HD, brilliant color. It's never the same. It's it's a different book because you have frame of reference, yes. perspective, the things that you have read, but you couldn't really relate to. Now you can put it in the context of your own eyes and experience. If you stand on Megiddo and look out at the Valley of Jezreel, you realize what what you know you you're reading when you read the bible if if yeah. you uh um even go to the dead sea or you go to the sea of galilee you you can just imagine things that happened uh, over and over i mean it, it's just a book that becomes alive and every aspect of the scripture old and new testament for for those of us who are christian believers it's just uh it's a life-changing event yeah. but it's also an awakening and I want people to understand that I always say, when you go to Israel, there's going to be two reasons. Maybe your primary purpose is a spiritual pilgrimage, and it should be. But the other thing, you're going to be awakened that you will never see modern Israel in the same way you have heard about it on the news. Because most of the media is very um, biased and dishonest in talking about Israel. Um, and it's unfortunate because this is a land where people are free to speak. They're free to disagree with the government. And I tell people all the time, if you think our politics can be contentious, you ain't seen nothing yet. Go to Israel. <laughs> the, the beauty of that is that that's the, that's the essence of, of people who have freedom, the yes. freedom to choose their government, the freedom to speak, to disagree. And boy, Israelis love to disagree with each other, even when they like each other for heaven's right. sake. And that's right. true. Yeah, 100%. It's all a part of the beautiful experience. But um, in the context of that, what you do and how the fellowship reaches those that uh, may feel like they have no voice and no opportunity, you give them an opportunity to have hope. And of all the great things that people can have in this world, having hope, having a sense that um, there's something to look forward to, not just something to look back at. And I always like to say that in our cars, we have a rear view mirror. Uh, it's an important device in the car, but it's pretty small because we only are to glance occasionally backwards. What we have in front of us is a great big windshield. And that's where we put our focus, not where we've been, but where we're going. And so many times I think people... Uh, they spend all their time looking back and saying, oh, God did some things back there. Yes, he did some magnificent things. But look in the windshield. Yes. God is still doing things. Yes. He's doing great things. 
And he's brought people from all over the world back to this once forsaken land. And he has revived this land and he has made sure that his people have returned. And the Jewish people from around the world have uh, come home after 2000 years. And so I'm Christian, not Jew, but I celebrate this because as I told one of my Jewish friends with whom I go to Israel every year in the summer, uh, it's been a tradition now for about 15 years. And he one time asked me early in our relationship, he said, you know, I don't understand you, you evangelical Christians, you're so supportive of Israel. Sometimes I think maybe more than my fellow Jews. He said, why is that? I said, well, it's pretty simple. I said, because it's possible to be Jewish and have really nothing to do with Christians. Um, But it's impossible to be Christian and not understand that everything that we embrace and believe is based on the foundation of the Jewish faith. Mm -hmm. So understand that there's no way I can be disconnected from uh, the Jewish people. I can't be disconnected uh, from the scriptures, nor can I be disconnected from the land that God chose for the Jewish people. And wow. so uh, it's, it's a love that I have uh, for my Jewish friends. It's a love that I have for the land where God wow. has put his hand. So I just stand back in awe uh, when I'm in Israel and I realize this is God's land and upon it sits God's hand. Wow. Wow. Grafted onto the rich olive tree of Israel. I always think of that when I go to the Garden of Gethsemane with my Christian friends and I say, this is this is it. This is the olive trees of Israel grafted on with the roots and the branches. And it's something that um, very often when I have meetings with Israeli ministers or different government officials or media people that I always say in Israel, they focus very much on the fellowships, humanitarian aid and Aliyah. And I always say that's one part of it. Just as important is you to know and the people of Israel to know that they're not alone. That's what this aid represents, that there are millions of Christians who stand with Israel. And of course, it's amazing to feed the hungry, to clothe the naked, to provide medicine to those who can't afford it and to help with the orphans and the widows. But even deeper than that, is the message behind it, that it's our Christian friends who are standing with us. And it's something that 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 Israel is in awe, it just simply in awe, because like you said, it's new to the people of Israel, to the Jewish people. What so many Jewish people know about Christians is simply what they've read in the history books. And suddenly comes this food box to a Holocaust survivor who feels like nobody knows about her. She doesn't have family, her community, she doesn't have community, she doesn't have anyone who visits. And we come and say, this is from a Christian in the middle of Arkansas who loves you. <laughs> how how did he find me? How does he love me? How he? And it opens up this story of of brotherhood and connection that that I believe is ultimately what God wants from us just like just like any parent who just wants their children to get along and we see it in Psalms how good and pleasant it is when brethren dwell together just uh really appreciate everything you're doing uh, my heavens with all that's been happening with COVID I know you guys have had more demands than ever and probably uh stretched to the uh, nth degree to make it work. 
Well, it's amazing. God, God works in mysterious ways. That's for sure. So as, yeah. um, as the COVID crisis hit and we have, wow, I've never, I don't remember a time in 16 years where we've ever received so many requests for food, um, yeah. just for basic food, you know, in Israel, we would always say in the former Soviet union, people were starving in Israel. Thank God, even if people were poor, um, and they might have trouble getting enough food or healthy food in Israel, there wasn't a huge problem of hunger and yeah. over, over, over Corona, that's really changed that not only have our donors stepped up, that we've had double our budget to distribute, thank God, but also the Israeli government has turned to the fellowship as the only organization that's able to effectively distribute aid on their behalf. So um, we've been working hard to get as many people the help that they need as quickly as and efficiently as possible. So I want to ask you a personal question. Sure. Um, Governor, you inspire me in so many ways. And, and one of those ways is your passion for life, for fighting for good causes in a way that's not even fighting, <laughs> being uh -huh. a warrior for causes that are important for you, and never stopping to care. And I've seen a lot of people who have been in ministry, government work for many years. And one of the hardest things for me to see is how so many people get burned out. Yeah. And as I traveled Israel with you and every conversation I've had with you, as I've been so honored to be hosted on your show, both, so both in front of the cameras and behind the scenes, I see something so unique in you that you have not lost in ounce of passion, but you've only let your hope and drive and motivation for the causes you believe in strengthen without letting your heart get hard. So I want, I want to know what the trick is. What a beautiful uh, and kind thing for you to say. I, I'm genuinely touched and, and appreciate so much. Uh, the, the easiest way for me to answer that question is just to say that I look at my life and I know how blessed I am. Mm. When I grew up, um, just to set the sort of the frame for you, I, I said earlier, you know, I grew up poor. Uh, I, that that's not a statement of complaint or victimhood. I'm not. I'm I'm beyond blessed. And, and I'd say to people all the time, look, if you believe the Bible, just remember God says those who bless Israel will be blessed those who curse Israel will be cursed. Part of my blessing in life is I believe that blessing Israel and being faithful in that blessing is a part of the essence of joy, even for the Christian believer, because uh, you either believe the Bible or you don't. Well, I'm one of those guys that believe it and practicing it as much as is possible has brought a level of joy to my life. Wow. As you're talking, I just have the chills and um, I feel God using you in such a huge way. You mention um, being inspired by your family, how things your father has said has inspired you, encouraged you, how you look back, not um, through sad eyes, but at, through realistic eyes, not forgetting from where you came. Because if you don't know where you came from, you can't know where you're going. And you've set a whole new path that I know honors those who came before you. Um, you have met many world leaders, been involved in many uh, 
very high level discussions with people that most of us only see on TV screens or read about in books. So I want to ask as one of the last questions, um, who, it could be a biblical figure, it could be a public figure or both, who do you hold as role models and why? Uh, I mean, there's certainly been a lot of people that would be maybe famous uh, world leader type people. But quite frankly, the people that had the greatest influence on my life, one was my very first boss at a radio station in Hope, Arkansas, where I grew up, who gave me a job at the age of 14 and put me to work as a disc jockey, sportscaster, uh, news gatherer. Smart man. A little bitty, yeah, a little bitty radio station. You do everything, including make the coffee and sweep floors if necessary. But the fact that he had confidence in me and he gave me a job that ended up being the basis for everything that I would ever do in my life, the influence of that is just extraordinary. Um, I, I can't look back without just being amazed at the miracle that here was a man who said to a 14-year-old kid, here's the key to the radio station. Come in on the weekends, unlock the door, set it up, turn it on, run the place for eight hours. And, and Yale, that's how I paid my way through not only junior high and high school, that's what I did to pay my way through college and grad school. If it hadn't been for that job that I got at 14, you and I wouldn't be having this conversation. I'm not sure what I'd be doing, maybe catching chickens or hauling hay out in the hot fields of Arkansas. But no one had ever, as I said, finished high school because I had a good job as a kid and said, I want to go to college. I was able to go, paid my own way, but I did it by working at that radio station. That job would never have happened. And then I look at where that led to me, led me. Every other step I've taken in my life has all come back to the foundation that I got from that uh, early moment. So the gentleman's name was Haskell Jones, and he's, he's deceased now when he passed away. Uh, I was asked to speak at his funeral, which was a great honor for me to do so. I was governor at the time. By the time I had uh, become governor, you know, I, I still would give him credit for so much of my life. And uh, I'll never forget just that confidence that he instilled in me. Wow, I think everyone could relate to that. I could relate to that as well. Just having that one person that when you didn't even have reason to believe in yourself, suddenly yeah. this person came and saw something within you. And by seeing that in you, he awakened it in you. There's a very famous verse by one of one of uh, the rabbis that uh, Rabbi Shlomo Karlbach in Israel is very famous and he was a singer and he brought a lot of spirituality to Judaism and brought back kind of the soul that was lost through the Holocaust and all the years of persecution. And what he said was every child just needs one person to believe in them. Mm -hmm. And and I, I take that both as a statement and also as a directive to those of us who it's so easy to look at the youth and be discouraged and see how they've fallen and don't necessarily have the values that we were raised with and look different and make different choices. And, and what that always brings me back to along with your story, Governor, is a reminder that that 
we have to take responsibility for our world. We can't just complain about it and say, uh, we can't, we can't curse the darkness. We need to bring the light. Mm. So, um, it's something that I, I learn more about you every time we speak. And I look forward to being with you in Israel, hopefully very soon. Um, and I want to end with one question. Um, is there a Bible verse or a Bible story, or is there a go-to saying either spiritually or anything else that you use in your life, which gives you strength and hope for the future? Well, there is, uh, since I was a teenager, it's, it's a verse in the new Testament, which obviously for uh, Christians is uh, such an important part of our spiritual of life, but it's in the book of Philippians and it's chapter four, verse 13. And it says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Now, I realize that's not a verse maybe a lot of uh, my Jewish friends will relate to, but when you grow up like I did, uh, that verse when I was a teenager really helped me to see that there are no limits because God doesn't put them on me. The only limits are the limits that, that I'm uh, putting on myself by my lack of faith that God can do bigger and bolder things than I ever dreamed. So that verse has been, I, I call it my verse for life. And uh, I continue to embrace it, even as a, a man now with grandchildren. Wow. Well, may you continue to find inspiration in both your Bible verse that you have been inspired by your entire life. And as I know, to find the inspiration in everything, everyone and every situation around you. Thank you so much, Governor, for joining us on this podcast. And um, I encourage everyone to follow Governor Huckabee. You want to tell us how we can how our followers can can follow you on your day to day adventures. Certainly. Um, they can actually subscribe to a newsletter that I put out twice a day. It doesn't cost anything. It's advertiser supported, mikehuckabee.com. We have about 800,000 subscribers who uh, get news of the day with a sense of humor. So I think it's a, a more pleasant way to get news. Uh, and then, of course, we hope people will watch the television show Huckabee on TBN every weekend, and they can go to huckabee.tv and get all the information, see segments. And uh, we're looking forward to having you back on. And since I hope we'll be together in person, I will say <clears throat> next year in Jerusalem. Amen. And I encourage everyone to also watch the Huckabee show with their family. It's one of the few shows I can watch with my children. So thank you. <laughs> <laughs> thank you for joining us, Governor, next time in Jerusalem. Bless you. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Conversations with Yael podcast. If you like what you have heard, please check out my weekly podcast, Nourish Your Biblical Roots, that explores the Jewish roots of the Christian faith with inspirational and ancient teachings. You can also visit me at mybiblicalroots.org for more of my teachings, videos, blogs, and books. Follow me on Instagram at Yael underscore Eckstein or on Facebook at Yael Eckstein. Shalom and see you next month.